So we're going to chat about ambition today and the probably not anything more ambitious than wanting to be a leader of a country, right? You know, that's a pretty high ambition. Um, I wonder if we could get the pictures of some of the leaders in our country up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, bit controversial. But uh, <laughs> Partygate shows us that we have an expectation of people that step up to that much ambition, who take those positions of leaderships. We expect humility and integrity in our leaders. We expect servant-hearted leadership. We want them to play by the same rules, and I think that's why a lot of us were so upset. It's one rule for us, another rule for them. is quite upsetting to us, apparently, as the British public. But historically, hypocritical leaders are not shocking, right? They're business as usual. Political philosopher Larry Seidenthorpe says, at the core of ancient thinking was the assumption of natural inequality. Can I get the picture of the Romans? Ask a Roman emperor whether it was one rule for them and another for the people, and they look at you with incomprehension and say, what else could it mean to rule? Right? So what happened between that ancient viewpoint? Of course the leaders, they're almost godlike figures. Of course they're untouchable. They can do what they want. To now where we get so upset that if our leaders play by different rules. Well, Christianity is what changed things. Jesus is what changed perception about what a leader should be. Jesus appeared as slave of all, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. In the movement he births, Christianity, our sovereign is a servant. And tonight's passage is one that points that out more clearly than most, as we have this powerful picture of what Jesus does for us. So, why don't we set the scene a little bit from the passage? It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. So it's his closing statements almost. He doesn't have a lot of time left. He's had 30 years of a nice life, three years of a fairly intense ministry, and this is the Thursday. Tomorrow he's going to be crucified and die on a cross. So these are significant moments. He's trying to get out the last remaining things to his disciples before he's killed. But also, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. We see that this is an intimate context. Lots of times in Jesus' ministry, we get these moments where he preaches to a crowd, but tonight he's with his friends, his disciples, the ones that he's walked with all these years. And the evening meal is in progress. So we come to the first thing that happens in our story tonight. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So we see Jesus being set up as high as you get. Jesus 
had knows that the Father has put all things, you know, not like Jeff Bezos where he has lots of things. Jesus had all things under his power and that he'd come from God and he is returning to God. So Jesus' position is set up pretty clearly by these words. But then what is his practice? Does he lord it around the room, declaring how mighty he is? No. He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, I don't actually think I can do a better job of illustrating a point than the illustration Jesus gives. So I'd like to repeat it for you. I would like to wash someone's feet. Um, this is maybe a bit, you know, intimidating a concept for some of you. Um, but I wonder if I could have a volunteer that doesn't mind having their feet washed. Ah, oh, yes, come on, Nathaniel. If you could take your shoes and your socks off. So what does Jesus do? Takes the towel. Wraps it around his waist. Now, I think you have to remember in this story, you know, I'm Tim. You know, okay, it's just Tim washing feet here. But imagine for a minute that I'm not Tim, that I'm the one that created the universe. You know, as the disciple sits down, I'm the one, Jesus, that said to the wind and the waves, be still. And they were. I'm the one that many of them recognize as the coming Messiah that has been coming for generations. And what does this great and mighty God do? Gets down on his knees. He takes his disciples' feet. And he washes them. He dries them with the towel around his waist. That's what Jesus does in this story. He knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And not in spite of, but because of that, he gets down in humility and he washes his disciples' feet. The act of service that he did on that night with such great humility for who he was didn't diminish his power or position. It challenged probably everyone in that room as he showed that his position wasn't going to be allowed to dictate his practice. And we shouldn't let it for us either. As we seek to gain greater social standing or new promotions at work, we shouldn't be trying to run away from humble acts of service. We should not let our position dictate our practice. You know, that goes smoothly for a few disciples. And then he comes to Peter, famous Peter, you know, has his moments, doesn't he, Peter? in the Bible. Well, here's one of them. He comes to Simon Peter, who says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, 
you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. This is in the, the middle of a meal. It's not at the beginning. It's not that their feet are dirty. They probably already had their feet washed on the way in, but Jesus washes their feet. He's trying to teach them with his actions. And later he said in verse 12, do you understand what I've done for you? We'll come back to that soon. Let's continue with Peter. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And the word never, the Greek is like very specific. It's like never in a million years. <laughs> like never in a million years. You, Jesus, you the one that I got out of the boat and started walking towards. You stood on the water that you rescued me and you told the waves to be still. You, Jesus, God, wash my feet. You will never wash my feet. He is the only disciple we hear about saying, no. And maybe it's humility, right? Maybe it's humility of Peter to say, not wanting the Lord to do this lowly service for him. But maybe it's not just humility. Maybe it's also pride. Because he's trying to tell Jesus what he can and can't do for him. Jesus answers, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. He gently corrects him because he loves him. And he wants him to have a part with him. That's not why he says it. Imagine if Jesus only did the things we asked for, right? We'd probably get ourselves in all kinds of messes. Imagine if Jesus stopped providing the blessings that we haven't asked for. Aren't we so lucky that Jesus doesn't always take our word for what he's going to do? Uh, and Jesus does not take Peter's. He says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter, in his perhaps characteristic, enthusiastic, wholehearted response, says, then Lord, Simon Peter says, not just my feet, but my hands and my head also. You know, classic Peter. But he's still trying to dictate what God should do. Uh, Jesus has gently corrected him and said, hey, mate, I need to wash your feet. But he's like, well, why don't you wash all of me then? Enthusiasm cannot be a substitute for obedience. We can't just listen to Jesus a little bit and then go running off with it. We can't just listen enough until we think he, what he is saying is what we think it means. We have to sit at his feet until we fully understand, okay, Jesus, what are you asking me to do? And Jesus is gentle, right? He's gentle with Peter. He says, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean. He's gentle with Peter. But Peter needed to lay down that pride and stop dictating to Jesus how he was going to do it and let Jesus do the thing Jesus wanted to do with him. Thirdly, learn the lesson. Humility towards one another. The closing part of our passage is Jesus saying, hey, I've done this for you now. I've washed your feet. Now, have you seen what I have done? He said, when he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. 
Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Again, his position is not diminished by this practice, his humble act of service. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Do you understand what I've done for you? The question asking teaching style of Jesus. He wants to reiterate to the disciples that this here, this moment, this was a lesson for them. And he wanted them to understand what he'd done for them. And not only did he want them to know the things that he'd done for them, he wanted them to do them because he says, you will be blessed if you do them. We can't escape from do. It's a practical term, a term of action or performance. It means we have to do something. And Nehemiah Boynton says, there's always something lost in a human life when that life knows more about Christ than it does for the sake of Christ. I don't think it's sufficient to know. I will not be that excited tonight if you go away and say, well, it was a really brilliant preach. I know so much more about Jesus now because he says, you'll be blessed if you do them. And this turns us around to the practical application um, of this sermon, right? Put yourself in humbling situations. That's what Jesus is calling you to do. He put himself, this, by the way, is Jesus, who is the Lord Almighty, put himself in that position. As we saw, he got down on his knees and he did this humble act. And he's calling us to do humble things. It might be literally washing feet, the bowl's still there if you want to do that, but it's probably, you know, other humble acts of service. Have a look around the room today and notice the people that are not here that might usually be. You, you can actually look, you can turn your heads, that's okay. It might wake some of you up. Um, you know, if there's someone who's not here that usually is, maybe they're going through a hard time. Maybe you should go around to that person's house and say, hey, can I do anything for you? Can I do some laundry for you? Can I wash some dishes for you? Can I mow your lawn? Humble acts of service because you love them. You'll be blessed if you do them. Maybe it's something simpler, just taking a flower round and leaving it on the porch. Maybe it's just taking a friend for coffee or, you know, think about it. Humble acts of service, you'll be blessed if you do them. If your ambition in life is to be blessed, you'll be blessed if you do them. If your ambition in life is just stability, you just want to have a nice, stable job, a good house. Maybe you want to get on the property ladder so that you'll own your house one day. What does Jesus say? He says, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The winds came and the waves rose up against it, but it did not fall. If you, the man who hears, or the man or woman, the person who hears, these words of mine and puts them into practice will be like 
the wise man that built his house upon the rock. If you want stability, hear these words of his and do them. If authority is what you want in life, if that's what you're going for, and some of us are called to positions of authority, to leadership in the church or in business, in politics, what do we do to reach those heights? We go low. Jesus calls us to go low, to serve humbly. Position should not dictate practice, and you will never graduate from humble acts of service. Maybe maybe it's freedom or acceptance that's your ambition. Maybe it's just righteous living and, and having a pretty good time in this life of doing what Jesus calls you to. Well, I think Jesus is reminding us that we need to be cleaned. There might be a deeper meaning to this picture, right? Because Jesus goes on to say, not just you are clean, Peter, though not every one of you is clean. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. See, for Peter, he'd had a bath. It wasn't just that he smelled pretty good that night and Judas didn't. <laughs> it was not just about being bathed. It was that he'd been washed clean. And I don't know if you remember last week, we had a baptism pool. It's a pretty good symbolism for a bath, right? You might see what Jesus is getting at with bath. It's when you accept his whole body washing and you receive salvation, that your whole body is washed like a bath. But then sometimes your feet get a bit mucky. And this is not bringing into question your salvation or how much God loves you. That's not what we're bringing into question here, right? Your whole body is clean. Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. And maybe your feet have got a little bit mucky. Maybe you've been walking in places that are not so clean. Maybe you've hurt people, said or done things that you shouldn't do. When Jesus says, hey, you've been walking apart from me, there's some things you need to change. He does not stand up on a chair and look down on you and say, you have sinned. You need to, you need to sort this out. He gets down on his knees and he picks up your feet. And he says, come here, I wanna wash your feet. That's the Jesus that we know about from this passage. That we need to submit to Christ and be cleaned. Sometimes it's more humbling to have your own feet washed than to wash other people's feet. Sometimes our naughty pride says, you shall never wash my feet. Yet it must be so, and pride must sit still like a child and be both washed and wiped. If you've been walking in mucky places, 
and let Jesus wash your feet. He does not stand up here and say, you're dirty. He kneels down here and he says, let me wash your feet. And he even says that to Judas because he washed Judas' feet on that night. Judas, the man that was going to go and betray him for just 30 pieces of silver, was going to be the reason he was sent to the cross. Even that man, he knelt and he washed his feet. But we know that Judas' whole body wasn't clean. 1 Corinthians 12.3 says, Therefore I want you to know that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Peter said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Because he said Jesus is Lord, we see that he is acting from that place of the Holy Spirit dwelling within him, which is what we receive when we surrender our life to Christ. But I don't know if there's a bigger Jesus be cursed than what Judas did by betraying him on the cross. But, you know, the day-to-day muckiness of walking in a world that's full of sin and people trying to walk away from the God that loves them and turn us towards other things, the day-to-day muckiness that, you know, just takes the washing of the feet that Jesus is offering you tonight, if that's where you've been, is not the whole bath. You see, the whole bath is the time that Jesus gets up here. The whole bath is the time where he has his hands nailed to a cross and he's killed for our sins because he loves you. He wants you to be clean. He wants you to be set free from guilt and from shame. And so he did the only thing more humble than washing feet and he was killed on a cross for you. He gave his life up as a ransom for many. He took the punishment that we deserved so that we could be washed clean, so that we could receive the blessing that he deserved. And he receives the penalty that we did. That's the only time Jesus does it from up there. So there's three things tonight. We need to learn the lesson. We need to learn it practically. And Peter, by the way, learns it practically because we see in 1 Peter 5 verse 5, which is Peter when he's a bit older, writing again. He says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Peter learned the lesson, (laughs) probably by doing. Peter learned the lesson, he was able to write that because he'd learnt it. He doesn't learn it in this moment, because he goes on to chop a guy's ear off later that night, and he denies Jesus three times. But he learns it, over the course of his life by doing. Learn the lesson. Put yourself in humble situations. And just as in this passage we see that Jesus, having loved his own, 
who are in the world and love them to the end. I think there's a calling here to not just do humble situations, to put ourselves in humble situations and humbly serve in our workplace and in our community and in our neighbourhood that we are called to, but also towards your church family. As I'd mentioned at the beginning, we're short of kids team and we're short of other humble ways of serving. Penny, who led the service this morning, is at the back doing pro presenter. That's a humble task. It doesn't always have to be about our grand calling. Sometimes we just need to do it because we need to muck in and things need to happen. And humble tasks, maybe even washing toilets, need to be done. And I think Jesus wants us to do that, yes, in the world and in our context, but also towards our own family here in the church. Secondly, those that you know have been relying on enthusiasm, running off and doing things for God and, and glorifying him by doing them, but our feet have got a bit mucky. There's a few things that have crept up in our life and Jesus is inviting us to have our feet washed tonight. And finally, if your whole body is unclean because you've never been washed clean, receiving the salvation that Jesus died for on the cross, then you only need to accept Jesus's salvation, his offer to you, which is that I will die for your sins and you will receive the blessing that I deserved. Some of you may never have had that whole body salvation. And there's an opportunity tonight for you to receive that.